1: Inside Sports is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.
0: Enjoy the show. To establish dominance. Yeah, the Patriots did it. They went to the Super Bowl nine times. They won six. That is an aberration. Think of another opportunity that a team had to be dominant. You can't because it's not real. It's just not real. It's very difficult to get to that point. It's very difficult to have dominance over, because after a while, I mean, coaches are smart. All coaches are smart. They see tendencies. They see weaknesses. They see strengths. And so when Imani comes on, we'll talk about what it was like for the Giants to beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Uh, was it an upset? You bet your bottom dollar it was an upset. I'm going to talk to Amani Toomer now, and then we'll kick it in gear. Hello? There he is, my hey, man. Imani Toomer, we are alive and in color, but you don't have to dress up. Oh, okay. That was good. <laughs> I was just talking about the accomplishments of your giant team when you beat the Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Two. They were unbeaten coming into play, and they were trying to do something that hadn't been done since the 1972 Miami Dolphins. How much of that did Tom Coughlin uh, stress in terms of getting you prepared for the game where they're unbeaten, they're unbeaten, and, you know, we got a chance to knock them off? What was that pre-game conversation like? Well, I mean, we had – this is our, kind of our second crack at it
1: because we had played them the last game of the season. Um, and, you know, we, we wanted to give them our best, and we wanted to go out there and compete with the best and see where we were. Uh, when we came out of the game in the last game of the season before the playoffs started, we uh, came away from that game thinking, wow, they're the best, and we probably should have beat them if we wouldn't have made a couple mistakes coming going down the stretch. Yeah, I mean we might be the best so it was it was more than just confidence because it was something that had actually played itself out you know it actually played itself out so we thought you know we were we were more than confident we knew that we could match up with them well and we knew that we were a more physical team and we knew that we, we if we played the way we should have played the first time we would have beat them and the second time so it wasn't a, like a whole we weren't worried about what the history of the whole thing I think most of the thing we were worried about is just um uh
0: just doing our best because our best we knew was good enough now as I recall and straighten me out on this um was it Coughlin decided to go with regulars in that regular season final um and the Patriots, uh, I mean, explain to me that whole scenario. Well, we were, we were both locked into our playoff spot, so neither
1: team had any motivation to play for anything. So going into that week, we didn't even know if the Stars were going to play. We didn't know anything. So when I remember going to the meeting, wondering, like, how was Coughlin going to take this? And then after the meeting, he comes up and he's like, goes up there and he says we are going to play our starters we are going to compete and then that was pretty much the the, the whole gist of the meeting like we're gonna play we have an opportunity to play we're gonna play and that's exactly what we did and that set the whole tone of the week because it was so consistent with his message through his entire time it's like i don't care if it's practice i don't care if it's I mean, I I really don't care. When you get an opportunity to play football, you better take advantage of it. You better compete at the highest level. And that's kind of what, that's kind of, going into the meeting, I was like, is he really, are we really going to do this? Because it doesn't make any sense. And then after the meeting, I was like, of course we're going to do this. This is is, is Tom Conflict.
0: Of course we're going to do what we do. Well, he is from the Bill Parcells tree, Uh, you know, uh, and and we both know, I know Bill since 82 when he was a defensive coordinator with the Giants and uh, we did a tv show together when he became the head coach and so i got to see the inner workings of a guy that i had a lot of respect for um but there was when you're playing when you're going up against a guy like Parcells or belichick or, or coughlin or any coach that's got that's very firm in his convictions uh you see they take on the team takes on the persona of the coach right yeah absolutely. because he-
1: expectation is and you start to plan your approach to things in the same manner because you know that's the way, that's the way that, you know, you stick around on the team, you know, you know the way that, you know, you'll be accepted by everybody and you'll, you'll just, it's just the way that that operation works and if you like it, you'll stay, if you like it and take it on, you stick around, but if you don't, that's when you usually start finding people that just, you know, some people start finding new teams and get Released and uh, no longer play for that coach because the expectation is there, and if you don't live up to it
0: in the NFL or in any of your job, you just don't. You, know, you don't stay. He's a Amanti Toomer, former uh, great receiver for the Giants. Matter of fact, the all-time leading receiver in Giants history. How does that sound? <laughs> sounds huh. pretty good. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Six. I never really took much. Never really thought much about it until you know a couple <laughs> years after I got done playing and saying I put it out there for. Uh, it's not, not going to be super easy for somebody to go out and beat. 668 receptions, 9,497 yards, 54 touchdowns, You're sitting on top of the all-time receiving list in Giants history. Uh, so I, I think it's fair to say. now. When, but when you came out of Michigan, and, and I was talking before about great rivalries, and I don't know many that are better or more intense than Michigan, Ohio State. Well, when you come out of Michigan— Uh, there are certain thoughts, uh, you have certain feelings about what life is going to be like in the NFL. What was the difference between what you thought and what you realized over the course of your career? Oh, I thought it was going to be easier because, you know, physically the NFL is, um, in terms of like the practices and what's asked of you and all that stuff, it's, it's, it's easier
1: because there's less practice time and all that stuff. But I had no idea how much mentally and the technique involved in all the nuances of the game that I had no idea about coming out of college. It's like, I didn't know what I didn't know. There was so much to the game that I had no idea about. And that's why, you know, a lot of veterans aren't even scared of rookies. They don't care how fast they jump. They don't care how fast they run just to get the nuances of the game and to play, uh, that 10 like usually in college you play you know sometimes you play at like eight you know 80 percent 90 percent you know every once in a while you get into that 100 percent but in the nfl you play every play at 100 percent and some people just aren't used to that
0: intensity and getting used to that intensity was uh took a little getting used to i got news for you when i found this out i scratched my head you went to michigan but your father went to ohio state doesn't really talk about
1: it that much I don't even know if you really I don't even know how long he stayed there um so I I couldn't tell you anything about his Ohio State uh career but I know he was uh he grew up in Ohio he grew up in Akron Ohio and um you know he, he I don't I don't know much about his
0: his his time with Ohio State at all I you know it's, it's just the mere notion that your father goes to Ohio I mean just think of any family you know no, well, California, so oh. Michigan, Ohio State isn't a big thing in California. Okay, I, mean, I grew up in California, so you know he said he went to
1: Ohio State. It really didn't mean anything to me because Ohio, you know, I, I watched the Pac-10 all the time. And the only time we saw um, this was this was before the um, you know they had all these college games on, and we so we'd watch our local college games, in which regional college games should be the Pac-10. So and then you started you know, to get you know when you know, proliferation of some of the TV and more. College games we put on TV. That's when you started to learn all the other stuff, and I would, by that time I was, you know, already playing, and I didn't really, I didn't really realize the whole
0: Michigan going from, coming from the West Coast. Well, I'll, I'll say my granddaughter just graduated from Michigan. Unfortunately, like everybody else, she didn't have a graduation ceremony. But uh, it's a school that's got an enormous history attached to it, like any big university. But. Uh, uh, I remember doing a Michigan-Ohio State game on network radio, and I don't remember hearing a stadium as loud or anywhere close to as loud as that was that day. Yeah, the horseshoe is
1: unc- incredibly loud. I mean, I tell people it's like it's like you go, to, you go to a concert and you're staying too close to the speakers <laughs> and your ears start ringing. I remember being on the bus after the game and my ears just ringing for, you know, like I was at a big concert. It was, it was the intensity was there. It was great. It was a great rivalry,
0: a rivalry to be a part of. Well, when you went to, at Michigan, you also returned punts. And I'm wondering after you have experience of doing that. I mean, let's face it, you've got to be a little of a nut job to return punts because of the attack that's coming on you. And yet you did it in the pros as well. I mean, there's got to be a little intrepidation as that punt's coming down, waiting for you to catch it. Yeah, no, I... um
1: didn't really you know, it's it's funny, like once you know how to do it and you know what to look for and you know, you know, it's not as as bad as you think once you kind of get, get the hang of it. Um yeah, I always had like the, the punter from the other team, he would sometimes from our team I would say would always give me a yes or no, sometimes when the when it was low enough, and then I'd always take like I'd hit the get the punt off the guy's foot, I'd run to the spot, and then I'd take a tell somebody's going to come off and get you so um, I was really good at you know when I when I didn't have an opportunity to, to to return upon I would never force it so I had a lot of fair catches
0: what about you you said you grew up in California number one uh why were you not recruited by any school in California and if so uh how did it become Michigan what, who were the other schools involved well I mean I, I was
1: recruited by I was um I was a very high recruit coming out of high school to go to the best football program with the best school and at the time there was no i mean none of the pac-10 schools were any good in terms except stanford i tried to get into stanford and that didn't work out so then my next choice was michigan because it was the best school out there with the best football team and so that's my my choice to go to college was very, very easy <laughs> because you look at some of these schools and it's like, you know, especially the African-American graduation rate, which is what I looked at, because I didn't want to go somewhere where I'd be like an anomaly that I graduated. I wanted to go somewhere where everybody graduates, and it's just the expectation that you go to school and you take care of your business. So, well, you know, I went to, you know, there's some schools that, I mean, the Pac-10 at that time was horrible. I mean, they you know, they used to give people scholarships until yeah. they graduated, meaning you're get a scholarship and you're going to leave or something's going to happen but we'll when you come back from wherever you go you'll will you'll have a scholarship until you until you get until you end up graduating so i just was like i just want to graduate in four years and get out and do my thing and michigan was one of the best schools and they graduated pretty much
0: everybody so that's that's one of the main reasons i went there well there's there's three guys that i've worked with all of them i work with you on nfl radio doing talk I work with James Lofting doing games and work with Tim Brown doing games. Lofton went to Stanford, Brown went to Notre Dame, you went to Michigan. So the one thing I can say about working with all three of you guys, I got smarter after, while I was working with you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, not see, I also work, to be fair, to be fair, I also work with Pat Hayden. Uh, and Pat's a Rhodes Scholar. And so uh, okay. so after we worked together for eight years uh, and then uh, I went to Monday Night Football and Pat didn't want to do it because he had a business. And one thing that came came to me, I, my vocabulary became much better after working with Pat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I probably took it down a little, couple notches too. Nah, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. But, uh, you know, look, you're, you're, with all your ability as a player and your intellect, uh, going to a good school and a good a- academic institution like Michigan, when it comes right down to it, um, if you did not play football, what other line would you have pursued? Uh, probably been I would probably been a lawyer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something I always wanted to do. I always regret not like, going back to law school or something because I just feel like uh, you know the, the the law and history of
0: the law I think is something that I really would would have gotten into. Um. I, I, my mother wanted me to be a lawyer, but I didn't want to be hated. <laughs> yeah, I don't, a, I don't have a problem with being hated. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, every time you stepped onto a field somewhere, you know the other guys were hating you. The other fans were hating you. Yeah, so it did, that didn't really bother me. I, you know, I'd always, I, I
1: loved playing away games. Uh, to me, I don't know why, but I loved it when you go into a crowd and like and uh, do something and the whole crowd goes like 70,000 quiet people. Like when we played the. Uh, the 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 wild the the, champ, the playoff game against the Cowboys and you know, I remember when RW recorders intercepted the ball and the, when the Cowboys back in 0-8 were uh, the number one seed number seven no oh seven they were number one seed and we went in and beat them down there in Dallas that was. That, to me, is my favorite game ever because, you know, that's when Terrell Owens was crying, and, you know, that's my quarterback. That, <laughs> that, was, that was that was one of the best games I'll ever –
0: that's one of the most memorable moments of my career right there. It's, uh, it's interesting, and people don't spend enough time understanding, and you as a former player understand this. The head coach is terribly important. We all know that. But <laughs> the position coaches – um, uh, I mean, th- these are the guys that you're with every day, uh, spending hours talking yeah. to these guys. They're const- they're teaching you, they're coaching you, um, as you look at the position coaches you've had, anyone stand out? Um, yeah,
1: Jimmy Robinson was a real good coach. Milt Jackson was a good coach. Uh, Mike Sullivan was a good coach. Um, and, um. My first coach, I, I want to say his name was Dick Raybide. He passed. He passed away. Mm. But he was you know, all, all my coaches. I really remember, but um, I say probably uh, Jimmy Robinson and uh, Milt Jackson were the ones that really. I mean, Jimmy Robinson was the guy that really got me playing at a you know at a at, you know at the top of my game. That was probably the the, the best in my career. And um, Milt Jackson was the one who basically you know slapped me around mentally and just said, look, man, we know you can do all this. We know you, uh, you can jump and run and all this stuff, but you got to get in the playbook. And, you, and if you don't, I'm not going to play, period.
0: <laughs> and that was, uh, that was pretty much what spurred my career on. Talking with Amani Toomer, <clears throat> outstanding uh, receiver for the New York Giants, a Super Bowl winner as well. I remember uh, a number of guys in my broadcasting career that early on, they gave me some great pointers. Uh, one comes to mind was Merle Harmon, who uh, late, late in life made finally made the network at NBC doing football uh, for the old AFL. And I did sidelines for some college bowl games, and Merle was the play-by-play guy. And he gave me some advice. Like early on, he said to me, prepare for everything, but if you use more than 20% of what you've prepared, you've spoken way too much. Exactly. Yeah, I thought about that, and I said, you know, what great advice. And he's saying, you prepare for everything. Um, and as I sit and listen to broadcasters today, guys are doing games, uh, you can tell that they we weren't prepared for this, that, or something else. And you can tell the guys or women that have prepared for every contingency. And, and I'm wondering, as you as you came along in your career as a player, uh, and you saw guys on other teams. Uh, did you ever take anything away from another receiver? You know, not, not a thought necessarily, but an approach to doing things? Um,
1: I took a lot away from. Um, uh, there was. Uh, I mean, there were so many receivers that I'd take stuff from. I would watch film a lot. And um, I remember Sean Jefferson was a guy that. I think is one of the most underrated receivers. I think he's a receivers coach now for the Jets, but man, he was just just some of the stuff that he would do on film. It was all very technical, all very nuanced, but I I just remember watching him play and thinking, this guy's the best receiver in the NFL, and then not hearing anything, like just watching him on film and watching the stuff that he did, I just remember being just, just super impressed, and then you know to have nobody really even put him on that pedestal, I just thought it was I thought it was travesty, you know? And um, right. and then watching of course you watched, you know, Jerry Rice's and all that stuff. But I don't know, there's just a lot of guys out there that do that did great things back when I remember growing up and, you know, I guess the N when I was playing and the NFL wasn't as big as it is now. So like there was it was easier for players to kinda of slip through the cracks to be, you know, kind of um, like stars in their own local kind of place, but then nationally won't be able to get the national attention for now with the proliferation of uh, fantasy football. If
0: you're good, everybody's going to know who you are. Uh, Do you, and I don't mean now, but in in years gone by, since you retired, uh, do you spend a lot of time watching the Giants on a Sunday or does it go beyond that? Yeah, no. I watch, I pretty much watch every game that's on.
1: I mean, I just, I just love the game and you know it was funny because when you play you almost kind of have to decompress from the game a little bit because i thought all the opinions that i got about how good players were what should i look out for by watching network tv didn't really help me and why by watching like all the shows didn't help me i thought i wanted to go out there and experience stuff for myself i don't want to hear about anybody else's opinion about them because i'm going to be able to get a chance to get my own opinion so when i when i was when i was um playing i didn't watch much of the game i didn't even like towards the end i didn't know i didn't watch college i didn't i didn't watch any i didn't watch that much football i just watched the film and then you know getting into the nuts and bolts and the technical aspects of it that that was kind of my, my my football and then to getting out of it you kind of become a fan again and i don't have to I, you know i come come up with my own opinions because of my experience but i don't really need to I, I don't really need to listen to other people's opinions um, because I can. I, I have the experience to create my own when I watch what I watch. So I, 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 I really enjoy watching the game, and it's.
0: it's I, don't, I don't think I'll ever stop. The Giants have been in a dry spell lately, certainly, and now they made a change at head coach again. Uh, and they bring in Joe Judge from Belichick's staff. Uh, what do you know about Joe Judge? He seems to be right out of the Belichick way of doing things, very disciplined kind of a guy. Yeah. He seemed like when I,
1: uh, they invited a lot of us up to do his uh, press conference just to kind of check him out and introduce ourselves to the coach and sitting up there, listening to him, his whole demeanor and everything, very serious, very, you know, football orientated. Um, I hear a lot of people from around the facility that are very impressed with the way, you know, with the amount of football that they're talking and not other stuff. And, um, he just—he just seems like a, like a guy right out of the Parcells, Belichick, um, Coughlin book. He really reminded
0: me a lot of Tom Coughlin.
1: When no. I was listening to "Tom, Tom." I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was like, Did "Tom, come back." As <laughs> he was talking about being early and talking about, you know, all kinds of stuff that I was like, "Wow, this is just like Tom." Competing, you know, it was just—it was, just, was great. I was—I was very excited because I know that. You know, at least we'll get a disciplined team that is going to be uh, going to be tough to beat because those are the toughest teams to beat. It doesn't matter how much talent you have; the discipline, and you don't beat yourself. Uh, you have an opportunity to win a lot of games, but you
0: shouldn't. Uh, as a former receiver for this organization, when Odell Beckham Jr. was playing for the Giants, obviously he's blessed with an enormous amount of skill. But there's always the but, isn't there? Um, you know, he's. He uh, has a different persona. Of some of the fans like it. Some of the fans don't like it. His talent is unquestioned. But have you spent any time talking to him at all? And and, and if not, and you did get a chance to talk to him, what would you say to him? Um,
1: I, I, I didn't have a good opportunity to talk to him. Um, I always thought he was um, super talented, just like you said, but I couldn't understand like the whole you know uh, I I I couldn't understand how why he was so focused on the media and so focused on you know everything else that surrounded the game instead of just the game I mean but when I talked to players around they always said he was a hard worker and you know he was always on his job he was never you know he never worried about his effort but there's just a lot extra to him that I just didn't. I didn't really understand. And maybe it's not for me to understand because he's not that. He, in our generation my time playing he, that type of so type of behavior would not have been rewarded. But then he goes and signs a five million dollar um, deal with Nike off the field. So maybe he's doing it right, and everybody else is doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, I, it just I just was I was more interested in the game. I wasn't interested in being like a you know super celebrity or anything I just wanted to play and let my work speak for itself but
0: that's an old-fashioned mentality and I realize that yeah but you know he's he hasn't set the you know he hasn't set the bar now the precedence was set before him with Terrell Owens Randy Moss a little bit I mean again supremely talented players even those even
1: Terrell Owens and Randy Moss like they 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 were uh, they were obsessed with the game like they I mean you had to go out and find Terrell Owens and do that stuff Odell, I mean, with the social media, it's just, it's just different. Like I, I just I just think that you know, T.O. was the ultimate competitor. He was you know on top of all his. He was he was a hard worker. I mean, he was he was. I I really liked uh, Terrell. I, I really looked at liked his game. I liked what he did. I liked uh, the attitude
0: that he brought to the game. Of all the players that I have seen, and, and when they made this draft selection, I said, great move. And I'm talking about Saquon Barkley. Uh, and yes. the Giants the Giants were criticized uh, because of where they picked him, and usually they you are know, good at running back, and you know, maybe you're looking for a wideout. But when they made that pick, I said, that's a great choice. And this kid has got enormous talent. Yes, he does. I'm, I was super excited when they drafted him. Um,
1: he's one of those guys you look at on film and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> why would you take anybody else over there? I think the Cleveland Browns are probably kicking themselves right now for, for not taking them first overall as well. I just I just think when you I – mean, there, there's certain players that regardless of, you know, their position or anything, they can make a difference on every play and every time they get the ball. Not only that, I mean, he's a good guy, so he can – you know, he's going to be endearing to the fans. There's just so much to him that
0: you just got you, you to gotta take that guy. I love that thing. I completely agree. Let me ask you, you know, I'm going to say a name. Tell me the things that first come to your mind as you try to um, identify this guy. And I'm talking about Eli Manning. Uh he retires from the game, two Super Bowl rings. You, you got one of those. Uh, it just seemed to me that, I mean, Peyton overshadowed him because of Peyton's reputation and, and so on. But Eli Manning... Uh, Define Eli Manning, if you would, as a former teammate.
1: Uh, I would say his best attribute was the fact that when the time was needed to go down and make a play, and when the time was needed to, to do a comeback, or when you know he just had a never say die attitude. He Positive. and you can't say that about a lot of quarterbacks. You know, a lot of quarterbacks have talent, maybe more talent than Eli did, but when it, when it came to crunch time, they get nervous. Eli would not get nervous. He would just keep on slinging it, and he'd throw five touchdowns. He'd throw five interceptions. He's, he wouldn't or, – or he would throw five interceptions, and he wouldn't change his mindset. Like, he would still, the next play, go out there and do the same thing. He was just one of those guys that um, – I think the, the 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 rarity is the fact that he just wasn't—he was unflappable. That's the thing that 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 uh, that I'll never forget. Like he just was never like you never—I never was around him and saw him like depressed. I was never around him and saw him like down in the dumps during a play. We never had to worry about, hey Eli, you know, we, we gotta worry about our quarterback. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not focused today. We just never had to worry about any of that stuff. It was just. It was. And that is what you can build on. You can build on that foundation of, uh, of a guy who's always focused and always ready to, you know, ready
0: to go. It's interesting, Amani. We're talking with Amani Uh when they had the draft, and this was going to be groundbreaking. This was going to be a virtual draft, and Roger Goodell's is going to be sitting in his basement and usually he does round one of the draft this year he did two rounds and I don't think anybody had more fun than Roger Goodell doing the draft this year. That looked like it, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's in his basement, he's (laughs) up there chilling,
1: you know, it was great. Uh, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining to watch. It was just different, you know, I mean, anything gets stale after a while and, um, I don't know. I was really looking forward to this year's draft though because I thought Vegas would have just been so great in terms of a of a setting for that for that that um that event, but I don't know, I liked what we got, but I much would have rather seen it in Vegas on the Bellagio. Like what they were planning had planned was just ridiculous. The
0: way only way only ridiculous enough to be done in Vegas. <laughs> no, I thought it was very well done. I thought, and it actually has opened up the eyes to the NBA. They're actually, uh, you know, on the on the cusp of doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. This was a great draft for quarterbacks, uh, offensive linemen, and wide receivers. Did uh-huh. you see any of these guys? Uh, I mean, I watched Alabama quite a bit this year and was blown uh-huh. away with Judy. I, I thought he was a... For a college kid to run routes as well as he did, that impressed me. Yeah, I think he, you know, you have to bring him up to pro level,
1: no question about it. I was at the Combines with them and was very impressed with uh, with a lot of these guys in terms of um, the size of them. A lot of these guys were huge, and they're running pretty pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, but the thing that really surprised me was, um, you know, that, that, that there's – so many big good quality receivers it was just it's just you know I remember I I was one of the tallest coming out when I was coming I was like a shorter guy and you know I was walking around with these guys uh, as a mentor uh, as a a mentor during the combine so the, the position has changed um but uh you know there's still you know college routes college technique just saying it's not gonna cut you in the pros and I think a lot of these guys realize it and um I, you
0: know, I was I was impressed with a lot of these guys. Yeah, Judy impressed me. Uh, his teammate Ruggs impressed me, and no shock to me that the Raiders picked him because the Raiders, even from the days of Al Davis, always went for yeah. speed. And this and they got this guy who was is faster than Judy. He's faster than Judy, but I don't know if he's better than Judy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't really I couldn't
1: really I couldn't wrap my head around that. I was like, really? You're gonna just I don't know. Raiders have won some World Championships,
0: so I guess they know a little bit more what they're doing than, than than conventional wisdom. I guess. What about what about C D Lamb, the guy the Cowboys got? I like C
1: D Lamb, but I, I went to him and I was like, you know what, man, I think you could be faster. Like you need to, if you could go to a track coach and for him to teach you, you know, your track technique, I think he could be faster. Maybe now that he went to the Cowboys, maybe I shouldn't have said that to him. But uh, I liked Lamb. I liked him when I watched him on film. I, I really did. I just liked his attitude. He just played with a fire that, you know, you really can't teach, you know? I mean, and there's something to, as a receiver, dominating the game. Like, there's something to it. It's like, you, you, if you don't do it, you can't assume that if you just give a person an opportunity, they're going to make those plays. Like, you have to want to make those plays in the clutch moments. And if you're not... Uh, you're not wired that way you can have all the ability in the world you can be as fast as you want to be but if you don't have it you don't have it so i i would be very that's what that's another reason why i thought the the, the judy i mean the um the rugs thing was a little bit strange because judy dominates rugs i don't remember him ever
0: dominating. i remember him being the third receiver on that team if i'm not mm-hmm. mistaken yeah you're right so i, I that was a little strange you know a little strange but hey um
1: but yeah i i uh you, you gotta dominate. You got. You gotta dominate, and you gotta dominate in college because it's very rarely you, dom- you
0: don't dominate in college, and you also sit dominate the pros. Well, now you said you were at the combine in what role?
1: I was a, um, I was a. Uh, uh, we call them a mentor. Um, so you know, the NFL wants the players to feel more comfortable. They want to make it a better experience than than it had been in the past. That's why they had them there for a couple of days this time, just kind of relax, make it a less stressful environment. Hopefully they'd see better times, better, better, you know, have them, you know, just enjoy the process a little bit better. Um, So they brought in players that had played before to kind of give them an idea of what's going to happen as they move forward and um, try to mentor them. Because some of the guys, some of these guys have no idea of what's being asked of them. I remember there was one guy who was like, why are they making us sit here? I want to go up. I'm sitting there like, man, this ain't a job interview. I mean, this is. I said, this, this is, They're not recruiting you guys. They, they are looking at you all the time. So when you're complaining, somebody's watching. Somebody's writing it down. So just relax. Sit down. You got nowhere to go. Just sit down. And just don't tell on yourself. You know what I mean? And those are the types of situations that those are the reasons why they want play, uh, veterans there. And former players there to kind of let them know that this isn't this isn't a joke. They're not recruiting you. This isn't this is different.
0: Interesting. Did you see at the combine? You see Mikhai Beckton, the kid the tackle the Jets drafted. I- I'm blown away with his with how fast he runs for a man of his size. Yeah, there's some. There's a lot of
1: guys that are that were there this that this year. I remember the guy the guy of Michigan, um, People's Jones. Man, he. He blew up the Combines, and he ended up getting drafted in the sixth round by the Cleveland Browns. But, man, unbelievable athlete, and it just makes me more upset about Harbaugh. <laughs> you got a guy with that ability, and you can't get him. I mean, he blew out everybody on in that entire Combine. Everybody in the Combine was like, wow, he jumped to 45. I mean, he just he just blew it up. And then to not have that show up on the field, it, that really bothered me. And I think that has to do with coaching, and that's one of the
0: reasons why. You know, we need we need to get we need to be, develop players better at Michigan. Let me ask you this: Is football still in your future? What do you mean? In some capacity, uh, whether it's coaching. Um, I I do. I mean, I do a little.
1: Uh, I do the Giants post game show. I do a little bit of that. I mean, who knows? I I'm never. you know, always, you know any, any opportunity I, I have, I'll probably look it over and talk with my family about it. But you know, I. I like where I'm at now as a as a, um, as a fan, and I enjoy you know, I, I I still enjoy the game as much as I ever did. You know, if not more.
0: But you're not you're not doing talk anymore, are you? Uh no no talk radio, but I um I've done some stuff at uh, with uh, first things first in the morning on Fox every once in a while. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, so
0: I've been doing that, and you know that's about it. Well, it was always a pleasure working with you. We, we worked together at Sirius, um, and I enjoyed it uh, because we were talking about the game that I love in professional football. Uh, I, I, uh, I I understand that they the schedule is out, and they they they're, they're, they're hoping to get things going on time, uh, and hopefully we'll get around this pandemic that we're involved in right now. But what is going to be the single biggest obstacle? for players to overcome uh, if and when they resume training camp. And I don't even know when that day is. What are you hearing? Anything? I, I have no idea. I just think the rustiness is what I'd worry about.
1: Because most of the players, I don't think they're going to worry about the virus itself because of the fact that they feel like they're young and you're young and, and you're an athlete, you feel like you're indestructible. So you just, I mean, I don't, I don't even think that crossed their mind whether they're going to get sick and it's not something happen. Um, but what I do think is that, you know, I mean, who's going to want to be in the stands? I mean, are you going to want to be in the stands watching a game? Or are you going to want to, you know, uh, are you going to want to watch a game where there's no crowd? So it's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different aspects of it that, that are kind of strange and that uh, I, I think that, the practice time is going to be evident, you know, you can work a lot on um, the board and meeting rooms and virtual meetings and all that stuff, but until you actually um, get out there and do it, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, you, you don't know what you have, you know, I mean. The timing between a quarterback and wide receiver, that's not going to be there. The timing, the, the, the blocks, the combination blocks that the offensive linemen have, you know, the, the run fits that the defense has to have, the coverages, the adjustments, like all that stuff is going to be on the fly. And um, maybe it'll make the game a lot simpler because people will realize that they can't put in all the type of stuff that they want. But uh, it's not going to be as crisp football. Uh, he's going to be less crisp than it has been, you know, because – as soon as that CBA came out, the last CBA, hold
0: on a second. Guess he's getting the list of things to do today. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's all right. But you got the, yeah. what do you got, the honeydew list? Yeah, I got the honey-do
1: list and then I got the outside, I got the, uh,
0: Lawn mowing, people on mowing the lawn in our complex. So. <laughs> well, I just it out. I try to go outside, I try to go inside. I can't remember what I was talking about. No, that's all right. Uh, I, you and I used to cross paths at a great restaurant in Edgewater called Acapella, which is now closed. But I'm going to te- text you the name of a new restaurant I found in Fort Lee that you're going to like. Is it open? Oh, Acapella's closed.
1: Acapella?
0: Yeah, we, I, used to, I ran into the bar there a couple of times. Yeah, food was great there, but they closed. And, but I got another place for you to go to in Fort Lee. I'll text it to you. Yeah, I got to go there. Oh, and,
1: um, what else you do I find any other places?
0: Um, well, I'm sure the audience uh, doesn't. barbecue joint. I used to go to the barbecue place. Okay. Hey, Amani, uh, great talking to you, man. Honest to God.
1: All right.
0: Thanks a lot. Pleasure. Number 81, Amani Toomer, all-time leading receiver for the New York football giants. A lot of big names. Looking forward to it. Hope you're a part of the audience. I've enjoyed it today. Stay safe. Don't forget, stay safe. Listen to what the doctors and the scientists are telling you. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of this program.
1: And to close out the show, a friendly reminder— That Howard David Inside Sports is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code MYPOD100, and they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week.